0: On this week's episode, Ant-Man heads to Quantumania, Andor heads to prison, and DC gets a new gun. All this and more as we celebrate 300 episodes! (coughs) As we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. multiverse this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there listening all of our great shows and there are 300 great shows in the multiverse and even more of the cosmos and if you can while you're doing it give us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, Vampires, and Vitae, the Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and all the great things that Melinda and Rob are doing right there for you wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, subscribe to them today on YouTube. Also, as well, you can go ahead and check out everything that we do at PopCultureCosmos.com. Also, as well, PopCultureCosmos on Facebook. Okay, we have got tons and tons of hours of tabletop RPG goodness right there for you. Back episodes of Wizards and Wine. Back episodes of Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Back episodes of Vampires and Vitae. Roger is now going crazy with the streaming now for Demolition Force on Mondays. Plus also the great games that Mitch runs for you right there on the weekend. Go ahead, check it out if you're a tabletop RPG stand, As the kids say these days, I was at a concert this weekend. There was no fan. There were just stands right there for K-pop. So go ahead and check out what they're doing today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you can catch the latest news and trends in pop culture. And if you do all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a 300th PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind. Don't tell Robbie Ross, but she is the mastermind behind everything (coughs) that we do regarding tabletop RPGs here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Also, as well, Vampires and Vitae, Wizards and Wine, with Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is the master of all voiceovers. It is. Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda... (laughs) I feel like Gerard Butler without the abs. This is Porta because it is 300 episodes right now.
1: 300. Yeah. I can't believe it's been over a year already.
0: Absolutely. She was like, "Ah, I haven't been here a year. So I just hit a random number. I said 247. She's right on there. There you go. There you go. So you have been here a while.
1: Absolutely crazy. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, what can I say?
0: What can I say? You like hanging around, you like talking pop culture, and everybody out there, first off, for all the thank yous I've got, and I've got a few coming up, I want to go ahead and first thank you, the viewer and the listener out there that have actually partaken in one of our episodes, the PC Multiverse. If you, that you have done, at some point in time in your day, we are truly honored and appreciative of your efforts in listening or watching to us right here at the PC Multiverse, plus also Not only Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, I do have a thank you for her. I do have a thank you for Josh Peterson, my cohort in crime on everything Pop Culture Cosmos. He was here for many of the PC Multiverses also as well. My good friend, Mr. Marcus De La Garza, want to give him a shout out. Want to say thank you so much for all the time that you spent on this show. Plus TJ Johnson, Ben Arnaud, Jamie Monroy, all the people who have hosted this show with me for the PC multiverse. I thank you enough for stopping by. And Melinda, again, a big shout out to you because you've been here so long.
1: I'm shocked at the number.
0: Don't be leaving next week because I said that.
1: (laughs) Right. My time here is done.
0: No, no, no. Don't you be doing that. Otherwise, I will say you just started with PCC Multiverse 297.
1: That feels a little more reasonable.
0: Okay, fair enough. This is our new rookie (laughs) here at the PCC Multiverse, Melinda Barkhouse Ross, but Speaking of pop culture, we've got a ton to talk about. I will mention that Jeff Sabota is going to be on the back end of the show. He's going to be talking about his epitaph on Werewolf by Night and also as well, She-Hulk, his thoughts on season one of that series for the MCU. What are his thoughts? Do they differ from mine? They do on one show, but don't in another. Find out his thoughts on the back end of the show. Plus also, as well, Melinda and I have got a lot to cover when it concerns all the shakeups that are going on at DC, the big announcement by Henry Cavill. What's going on with that? We'll talk about the big shakeup and movements as far as new bosses, one of which is very familiar that you would know. And in fact, it happened on the same day his Marvel project came around. As far as a trailer for that, we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Plus, also as well, we're going to talk about Tar with Kate Blanchett. What is Tar? We're going to talk about a movie that is possibly also, like we did last week, a frontrunner for the Oscars. We'll talk about Tar with Cate Blanchett. That's coming up in a bit. Andor Episode 8 reminds me of a George Lucas project a long way back. We'll talk about what project that is coming up in a bit. Plus also as well, Call of Duty players, you know what time it is. It is time once again for a new IP, a new iteration of the call of duty franchise the franchise which you love so much the franchise which is getting an uproar from sony not letting microsoft live it down for the possibility call of duty may sometime down the road end at some point in time their streak on sony but that's not for now because call of duty modern warfare 2 hit store shelves this weekend so we'll talk about call of duty modern warfare 2 the current thoughts on it the reviews and what its score is We'll talk about if you should go out and get Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. That's coming a bit, bit, but my friend, I will tell you that there's a lot to talk about when it concerns the Marvel universe, because Marvel did something very unusual. They debuted not one, but two trailers for upcoming projects with still of course, Black Panther Wakanda Forever coming in just a few weeks. And they actually had the premiere for that and the first reactions are very good indeed from what I hear but your thoughts on these we'll start off with the first of the trailers that came out and that was ant-man and the wasp quantum mania which is the third ant-man movie which is coming out on February 17th of next year they delve once again into the world the quantum world this time they go even deeper with an actual city which is an actual uh, location and who is behind the city once they find a quantum in the quantum universe which they accidentally got there by way of cassie lang the daughter of scott lang in the movie is none other than kang or a version of kang pulling all the strings your thoughts on this as far as your were you impressed by it was it something that intrigued you your thoughts on ant-man and the wasp quantum media and the first trailer
1: Okay, I have to preface this one with I could watch Paul Rudd read the phone book to a jack-o'-lantern and be thoroughly entertained for two and a half hours.
0: He is the sexiest man
1: You know, I I just, I need to start there. Um, But after that, um, I love that we have some Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. I'm very intrigued by it. And, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know if it's enough to get me into a theater yet. But it's it's right there. I'd like that's how interested I am after watching the trailer. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe it's Ant Man. Maybe Ant Man is going to be the one to finally get me back into that theater.
0: Well, you may change your mind on Paul Rudd in the phone book after you watch Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers that he did in the <laughs> 1990s. So you know to sand because it's that time of the season. So yeah, if you actually can go ahead and tolerate him through that, then I will probably believe you on the phone book thing. But. The sexiest man there, he is actually uh, someone who's still a much-beloved character. and I was actually talking about this on Jeff Sabota's show, The MCU's Bleeding Edge, when I appeared on his show this week in regards to the fact that this is a much-beloved franchise within the halls of Marvel. It is not a much-beloved franchise with general fans because the dollar amount and the fact the popularity of it has not reached the heights of the other movies within the Marvel realm, the Thors, the Iron Man's you know, the guardians of the galaxy, what have you, all the top names there. It has only achieved a certain level and not gone beyond that. This movie looks really good. This trailer looks really good and inviting. It was, it was actually a, uh, set to the music of Elton John's Yellow Brick Road, which I thought was an outstanding choice. And, you know, that was very prophetic the way they use that because they go off the Yellow Brick Road, in a sense, in this movie. So I'm really looking forward to it. We're wondering how Bill Murray, you know, even though, yes, I know he's being canceled at the present time, but he is still in this movie, how his character is being utilized. I'm assuming it's a bad guy. I heard rumors that is based off a of bad guy. So that is not going to be a stretch for him at this point in time. I'm still interested to see how Cassie Lang is being developed because she is going to become a young Avenger. So she gets the purple suit in this film already, as we've seen in the trailers. It's just really interesting the way that they're doing it. This hopefully will be the film because this will probably be the last Ant-Man and the Wasp film. This hopefully will be the film that will finally get Ant-Man and the Wasp out there in massive popularity to the level that I think that they deserved and I know that the reason why that that Marvel's stuck with them is because they've always believed in Ant-Man and the Wasp and hopefully their belief will finally come. I actually I, I hope that their belief in them will finally pay off
1: with a big hit for Marvel. That's the hope for sure. Because, you know, when you sit through gosh, three now Thor movies that were just eh? A couple of those that were real bad. There's been four, um,
0: by the way, total.
1: Yeah right? But the first one wasn't too bad, right? I don't Uh, know. I remember falling asleep.
0: The first one was eh. The second one was yuck. The third one was the one that people like, Ragnarok, and then the fourth one, let's
1: not just go there. Yeah, we just won't talk about that one at all. But, you know, you have Thor with these movies, and then people just automatically go out and see it because it's a Thor film, right? Or an
0: Iron Man film, or a Captain America film.
1: Right. But the Ant-Man movies have yet to disappoint.
0: They're really fun. They're really fun. They are. They're, not, they're, they're not they're not they're not compelling or really
1: out there. They're just fun films to watch. It's a popcorn flick tied to the MCU. Bingo. So, yeah, and and it stars Paul Rudd. I'm sorry, but um I just find him so entertaining to be on the big screen. I was watching bloopers of him and Will Ferrell when they did Anchorman together. It was just, you know, like my stomach hurt. I was laughing so hard watching these bloopers. So, uh, you know, you can't go wrong, I don't think, with Paul Rudd in any kind of role. And when I first found out he was cast as Ant-Man, I was like, I don't don't know if I'm going to buy Paul Rudd as a superhero. But this is just another film, the Paul Rudd catalog of... I'm just going to have a Paul Rudd day today. It's Sunday. It's Paul's day.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And and his next film will be Paul Rudd reads the phone book for Melinda. Yeah.
1: God, I hope so. That'd be so great.
0: Absolutely. I'm not sure Robbie will like that, but hey, there you go. But I will say, <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't think you will like that. <laughs>
1: I do, mean he's not all well, all, you know Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Okay. I um my wife likes all the Chris's out there. So, you know, if it you know just, Yeah. If it gets her calling me Chris, that's fine. That's fine. I don't that's <laughs> fine by me. But I will say that the second trailer that came out the next day, which was surprising to me that Marvel Marvel usually lets things breathe at least a yeah. week or two, especially with Wakanda Forever coming out. But the next thing they put right after that, the day after they put out the first trailer for the holiday special for guardians of the galaxy, which was mainly sent around Drax and Mantis, which I love that dynamic because Drax is still, you know, Mantis is in love with Drax and Drax, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> the way he just keeps going back at her as far as yeah. him, not really realizing anything and just, you know, as far as what's going on and, with that part of it but you know the fact that they are trying to go ahead and cheer up Star-Lord that's the basis of this trailer because he's still bummed that he is not able to go ahead and get Zoe Saldana's character that we saw in Avengers Endgame and try and get her back in his life she is now zoomed off into space somewhere and he is just left heartbroken and now it's come to the point where they figure out the best way to cheer him up is to try and bring him a present In the form of Kevin Bacon. So they go ahead and head to (laughs) Kevin Bacon's house, who has been referenced in Infinity War and in the first original Guardians of the Galaxy. So they're tying everything in there. James Gunn is once again doing a great job. And we'll talk about James Gunn again on this show. But your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, which they are patterning after the original Star Wars holiday special.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: In a much better, much more positive way, I should
1: say. Sure, sure, yeah. I'm here for anything that gives me uh, a jolt of Christmas without having to watch the Hallmark channel. Yes. Not that I have a problem with the Hallmark movies. Please don't get me wrong. I do indulge. However, this won't feel so much as an indulgence as it will be sitting down for some delicious Christmas dessert.
0: You get what you get when it concerns those movies on the Hallmark channel and they make a ton of cash and they get a ton of views. So I cannot sit here and disparage or say anything bad about them because they have a formula. Mm -hmm. It's in all their movies. Mm
2: -hmm. You know what's
0: coming. You know Mm -hmm. when it's coming. You know what's going on. You know who's going to get with whom. You know who's going to end up with whom by the time their credits roll. It's not a shock. It's not a secret. And it's right there in their secret sauce which is not so secret and that's why they make the money that they do at hallmark that's why they continue that's why if cable ever dies there's just going to be the standalone station of all hallmark channel (laughs) yeah yeah, because you know there's going to be always people wanting to watch that but i will say that this is something that i think it's going to be really cute something that it's going to be what maybe 45 minutes long maybe an hour long at best and Something, again, it's a special presentation that they modeled after the old, in fact, the the graphic design that you actually first saw in Werewolf by Night is actually modeled after the old CBS special presentation logo and actual just the whole theme and all that was going on. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with this. I really think they're going to have fun. Again, this is James Gunn's, I guess, part of his first part of his. Adieu, bidding adieu to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because this is his last go around. Because obviously he's going to have other things to do right now. As again, we will mention here later in a bit. But I mean, I think this is just going to be another fun way to go ahead and and spend the holidays. I think it's a also a a nice little band aid after Wakanda Forever. And the fact is that you won't have anything until your Paul Rudd comes out in Ant Man Quantum Media
1: yeah that's right but you know i i I guess one way to look at it is according to the hallmark channel all of the answers to your life's problems are in a small town but with the guardians of the galaxy holiday special all of the answers are at kevin bacon's house so what is it six degrees of kevin bacon yeah exactly yeah happiness is six degrees away
0: there you go absolutely I mean, we could play that right now, and I I think we would get stumped, because there's actually pretty much every star right now in Hollywood, or even co-star, or even random star, you could probably take six steps or less to Kevin Bacon.
1: yeah. Yeah, I feel like you could get to Kevin Bacon a lot quicker than I could, though. It's very strange yeah that's true yeah, like that the, the whole game yeah I, I just feel like you could get there much quicker than i could anyway oh yeah, yeah yeah
0: oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah footloose yeah oh yeah 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 oh yeah 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 that's right he's next man yeah 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 okay yeah that's mm-hmm. probably true yeah we'll play it sometime it'll be fun oh yeah absolutely what dedicated episode no i don't think so that would probably be too <laughs> crazy but well i know if you ask for it Go ahead, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Please let us know if you want to dedicate an episode to Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. We'll do that. <laughs> we dedicated part of an episode to Wordle. So, you know what? All bets are off there. So, yeah. What are your thoughts out there, True. though, on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, and also as well the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday Christmas trailers? Both of them debuted this week at Marvel. So if you have any thoughts on it, did you enjoy it? Are you excited for these upcoming Marvel projects? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Okay, wait. Wait, I, I can go invisible, right? Because this is this is the absolute worst. You can so,
1: certainly try.
0: Okay, so that is... Um, uh, that's uh, obver... Obvenation? Ob- 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 <laughs> Close ob- enough. Ob- it's
1: obfuscation. Roll your dice.
0: Okay. So, I didn't get anything over a five, but that can... You
1: are still naked. Oh, God. The music stops and everyone is looking directly at you. Judging.
0: Oh, God, this is...
1: The Prince of the City looks very disappointed in you.
0: Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do.
1: Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast. Season two to Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Speaking. Of what's going on with Marvel and DC and all the superhero stuff going on, because you know, it almost is every week that a prolific director, one of the most prolific directors that are out there, like Denis Villeneuve or Martin Scorsese. This week was James Cameron talking, you know, bad about Marvel and all DC and all the all the superhero films. This time, I think he related the Marvel Cinematic Universe to a bunch of college kids. They, you know, they act like you're in college, but Need I digress on that. The thing I wanted to talk about is the DC shakeup that happened at DC Comics. I told you last week that Walter Hamada did step down. The individual that they had to replace him, that they had already set to replace him, unfortunately decided not to take the gig. So now it looks like they not only have one person to lead the charge, but two people to lead the charge. Your thoughts on this? Because Peter Safran, major producer with a ton of movies under his belt, And none other than James Gunn himself of the Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy fame. They are both now been tasked to lead up the DCEU going forward, both in a film and television basis. Your thoughts on the hires and where this will take the DCEU next. Because right now, there's some issues going on. Obviously, what's going on with Flashpoint. Black Adam did okay, didn't do great, but did okay enough to go ahead and keep that going for a while. Obviously, announcement from Henry Cavill after the cameo that he did in Black Adam that he is now here to stay once again as Superman in his return. Your thoughts on where the DCU could go next with Peter Safran, a major producer in Hollywood, signing up to lead the charge at DC along with James Gunn himself.
1: I mean, if you could put together a dream team, is there anybody left to add to that?
0: Right now, no. Off the top of my head, I think that that's a good start. The only thing is they didn't decide on one. It always concerns me when you're heading up a major part of this with not just one, but two individuals, unless they're a a prolific team that has consistently worked together over the years. And that has not been the case. Like, for instance, at the Coen brothers were named to the DCEU, you would say, okay, or the Duffer brothers or the Russo brothers. You know, Okay, Mm -hmm. those guys have all worked together on projects together extensively so they know how to work with each other. You're talking about putting two individuals who are very familiar with each other but not to the point where they have done everything together. Now you're asking them to head up to both the movie and TV part of it. I just see a situation where... It should go well, but if it doesn't, it could lead up to what happened with Marvel with the TV side of it. The TV, the head of the TV, and that other side, as far as non Marvel film stuff, being let go and letting Kevin Feige just overrun everything, oversee everything from going on forward. I just, I just not sure when I see two people doing the job that I think one should be doing.
1: Well, see, it really does depend on what their actual. Kind of job titles come down to, you know, if one person is more in control of story and character development and the other person is more you know in charge of the implementation of these stories and um you know breaking them down to which is more suitable for tv what's more suitable for movies and then perhaps one takes the tv one takes the movies but they both understand you know where the tv and movie crossovers need to happen because they do need to happen let's be honest fans yeah. because of marvel now have this kind of expectation and when you don't deliver on that it feels like a letdown it feels like you've been sloppy it feels like you haven't done your homework assuming that everyone gets to behave like a like a like a grown up And let's face it, that's the hardest thing to do sometimes is to act like an actual grown-up and set an ego aside and be able to sit down and, uh, you know, get down to work and and really try to hammer out something, you know, worthy of fans who've been just waiting and waiting and waiting for DC to put out something that is consistent and interesting. And I think that these two names attach, giving me a a breath of hope, at least.
0: So I will go ahead and hit this up to you right now. So let's say you... Mm-hmm. and Robbie Ross, the Rosses mm-hmm. together, were mm-hmm. named as the heads of DC and the DCEU. So you're in charge of all movie and television production going forward for DCEU. Where would you start? And what would you do?
1: Well, the first thing I would do is cast myself as Batman.
0: Nice. <laughs> no, I'm,
1: kidding. I'm kidding. No, of course not. But You go around there sure.
0: practicing, I'm
1: Batman. I'm yeah, Batman. absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I may rename my bathroom the bat cave i don't know but there's a few things i think that i would try to do i think that the bat flick you know i i know a lot of people had a lot of problems with ben affleck as batman and i know
0: but i liked him i didn't i didn't I, think he yeah. was that
1: I, I, I didn't, didn't think, think he me. was either you know i i feel like every actor who is cast as batman is either stronger as bruce wayne or as batman you know well, what well. christian bale kind of knocked the socks off of that role, to be honest. But I digress. I think that I would start with a couple of things that were batman centric and i would start a couple of things that were very superman centric and once i had those kind of established and a few storylines set up then i would start to add uh, other characters I, I would look at uh, doing like a robin film even then you know you have wonder woman who has been successful and who has not been successful you know she has uh, some room to grow and uh, some story to tell there so You know, I I would probably start looking at that kind of thing. Does this need to be a complete and absolute reboot? Is that what the role of Black Adam truly was about as being a new starting point for DC? That's the question that I have. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, where these two guys are going to kind of drop the mic, so to speak, and and really kind of dig in and and get down to work.
0: One of the things I would do is Mm -hmm. I would focus in on how the TV side of it is going to evolve your dceu and not just put side characters like peacemaker which actually that series did well for hbo and hbo max i'm not going to mm-hmm. slide that in the least and i know that they have a commissioner gordon series with jeffrey uh, coming on the way and then also they have a penguin series that's coming on the way so i don't know forget about have...
1: batman's butler
0: yeah well that one that's true pennyworth but pennyworth has been out in different forms it was on epics i believe for a while before it switched over to hbo so right. that's yeah, he's been out for a little while and I'm not sure he's that show is large enough to go ahead and move the needle for DCEU fans. I think that it was presented on a small stage and even though it's on a bigger stage now, I still think it's going to be you know thought of in a small sense because of where it started and where it emanated from. I I, I don't equate it to the same way that for instance like Cobra Kai because Cobra Kai was first a YouTube show and YouTube is still a major platform for views in and of itself before it got on netflix but i I digress i think i would focus in on trying to build the tv side of it because of what help hbo max needs at this point in time because we thought they were doing really great heading into 2022 and i the wool was pulled over my eyes because of how bad that they ended up doing financially in the first part of the year and all the cuts that they made since and I really think that the DCU, the story and foundational building can be done better on a TV platform, which is what they need to help them grow. I liken it to like a tree, have a nice foundation, make sure it's fertilized and make sure it's watered real good as far as on the bottom end first, so that it can grow into something strong on the top end. And I really think that maybe they should focus on that and just stick with the, uh, the Aquamans and the Jokers of the world that get them enough money to go ahead and satisfy them before they go ahead and redo the entire Flashpoint universe in one swoop. that, especially with an actor that could obviously get up to 25 years in prison for burglary here, which he's currently on trial for. So I just think right now that, that I would first focus on the television end of it, try to build characters and stories that are going to help blossom the DCEU and put it in a place that it can grow into something more satisfying for viewers going forward.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. See, we could work very well together. I can flesh out the the storylines for movies and you can take over the TV side and we'll just they're just the ghostwriters for us. It's it's rushless behind the scenes. There you the go. So Everyone. the
0: new new heads of DC are Melinda and <laughs> Robbie Ross and, of course, me, Gerald Glasser. We are the new heads of DC. All right, there you go. No, I'm kidding. The actual new heads of DC are Peter Safran and James Gunn. They both have a long resume. Of course, James Gunn has been very successful within the superhero realm, and I'm very excited to see what both are going to do, especially Kevin Feige. He was very supportive of the decision that was made by James Gunn to go ahead and take that slot and said, you know what, I'm going to be first in line to go ahead and check out anything that he does in the DC universe. That's the type of rhetoric you want to hear. That's the type of rhetoric, and I know you're a PlayStation fan, but that's the type of rhetoric I hear Phil Spencer say all the time from Xbox, even about PlayStation stuff. He's always very complimentary on Nintendo and Sony whenever he can, and I think the same goes here. And again, this will lead hopefully for fans to go ahead and just appreciate good stuff going forward from DC and Marvel, especially DC now going forward. Share us your thoughts if you think this is the right move for DC going forward. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, coming up next, it is Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge, his thoughts on She-Hulk, and right after that, Melinda and I are going to be talking some Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, and or Episode 8. And what is TAR with Kate Blanchett? Could this be the vehicle that gets her an Oscar? We'll talk about that coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Action Figure Adventure is back with season two, and we're going further than ever before, checking out more toy stores than ever before and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about holy grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure season two. 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Jinx TV Canada. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glass. We're coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. It is She-Hulk. Just finished. It's season one. And since it was already in meta, breaking the fourth wall with Tatiana Maslany saying to everyone out there that they were already focusing on a season two. It hasn't been confirmed yet real by Disney. But when you're already talking about it, Seems like that's probably on the road for She-Hulk. But how did season one go for a different amount of people out there? I know on the show we already covered that we liked it overall. There were some ups and there were some downs, especially early on. The downs were a little bit more than the ups. But overall, on the back end, they more than made up for it. And especially with the last episode, which I think threw a lot of people off. But it threw a lot of people off in a good way. And I thought it was a good way to close out the show. But here today to talk about She-Hulk and also Werewolf by Night is an MCU fan indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. As always, it is Jeff Sabota. And Jeff, thanks for coming back on the show. Good to have you back aboard talking Marvel once
2: again. Yes, sir. I'm very humbled. I'm very happy and always looking forward and excited to have a chance to actually record with you, my friend.
0: Absolutely. Now, I have been catching your social media (laughs) during the processes of She-Hulk and how it played itself out. Well, no, I do, no, Gerald. You had some very expressive opinions on it. I, w- I will leave it at that. And it seemed like She-Hulk was not going the way you wanted it to go. But your thoughts on this, my friend, because again, you had some definitive, different ways as far as you expressed your anger and you expressed your like for what was shown in, ultimately, in She-Hulk season one.
2: Well, I mean, what can I say? Uh, You know, you pretty much sort of, I mean, already put out there kind of where I was at with She-Hulk, which was, I guess it was probably from episode one through five, I felt pretty good about it.
0: For some, I'm glad you enjoyed it. See, that makes me feel good that you enjoyed it because I really thought there was some poor execution in those early episodes, especially on the writing side. So I'm glad you found some things
2: in it that I couldn't see. Well, you know, look, I, I, I mean, I, you know how it is, Gerald. You and I find a lot of common ground on a lot of stuff with Marvel and, and stuff in general. And then at the same time, we're both individuals mm-hmm. and we both like certain specific things. And so I think it's just natural between me and you and, and our friendship and whatnot. And as, as, as traders and entertainers yeah. that we're going to take certain things out of these series that like, you know, that I might, you know, as opposed to you and vice versa. Certain things might stand out more for you or connect more for you than like th- than with me. What I found interesting about She-Hulk, personally, in the first five episodes, what I enjoyed it was I liked the dynamic and the fact that it was another sort of ballsy attempt, a la Wandavision, with Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios to do something different, right? Uh-huh. Push the paradigm, yes. you know. You know, do, do something different, go outside of the box, and experiment. And look, I mean, hey. When you're gonna dominate completely and monopolize essentially the entire like movie industry and now TV and streaming too, at that point, uh, you know, like when you are the zeitgeist, at that point, like you've got to be you've got to diversify, you have to evolve. I mean, what else are you gonna do? And I respect that. I I, I, I you see you have to you have to see that coming logically. So no, I liked it. I thought it was great. Listen, I feel the same way I did about Moon Knight. Tatiana Maslani killed it as an actress in the, in the She-Hulk series. She did, she was great. She was great, great actress. Yes. Uh, that I can She's agree with very, all. Oh yeah, very multi-talented, very multi-layered, very capable of doing a lot of different stuff. She can be funny. Her comedic timing is great. She has a very organic type of uh, type of, of acting and whatnot that's very very easily to connect, connect with, I guess, on a human level. I prefer the Jennifer Walters version than the She-Hulk version, personally. But that's okay, is what it is. I like the whole dichotomy of where they were going with almost like a la Moon Knight type deal, where she was having that sort of inner dichotomy where she was struggling between accepting being She-Hulk, right? Or like fighting it, right? And wanting to remain Jennifer Walters the attorney. And you could see it sort of in the way that she was kind of um, almost not even taking some of like the the superhero legal stuff, not even seriously at times. Mm-hmm. Did you detect that a little bit that she was kind of whatever about almost some of that stuff?
0: That's, that's a period of times. But then again, that's her character. She was the first one in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to break the fourth wall. And and for me, because of that, it was hard for me to take anything seriously going on in the early episodes. The first episode was great. But then that's because of the dynamics she had with Mark Ruffalo. The episodes two through five, like you said, for me, it just didn't seem like the writing was up to par because again, you know, if she's going to be doing a lot of that fourth wall breaking, she has to go ahead and provide or get some type of uh, of foundation as far as from the writers to go in and create good stories in order to support that. Unfortunately, she got some run of the mill lame comedy law, platforms and sometimes it wasn't executed well or without thought and the only thing that they could really save it okay let, well let's bring wong back in here to go ahead for cameo to save the day let's bring tim roth back here in to save the day as far as bringing this episode around and i felt bad at first for tatiana maslani's character because of the fact that she wasn't able to go ahead and showcase the dynamic between Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk in a way I thought that was befitting of her and and what she can really do and showcase an actress. But it's hard to be serious or take anything seriously on in those early episodes because she's breaking the fourth wall so much. I really think, though, as it, it transgressed and it moved on, they started to build more of a story and ultimately as well showcasing as far as this whole plot line through a much better conclusion as far as how it ended up than how it got to that point. So I really think that it was done. And of course, the fourth wall breaking, there was a lot of it during the course of the season that I really just didn't think I was that great or that much needed. But once it came to that final episode, the fourth wall breaking was not only needed, but welcomed, but appreciated, but also as well, it fit right in with what was going on and how it explained everything else for the rest of the series.
2: I mean, really, for me, I felt like they handled the fourth wall breaking thing very well. I thought they were very strategic with it. They kind of gave you a little bit at a time, right? And then she went all out, finally, in like the last two episodes, you know, and really flaunted it, right? And then the finale, she really went all out with it. I think too far, to be honest with you. I I, I didn't get anything out. I thought the finale was garbage. I'll tell you right now, Gerald. It was terrible. It, It was incohesive. It was all over the place. She-Hulk was the first series, it was the first time since I've ever been a Marvel fan where, because of this series, literally, I lost a guest, literally, because after a She-Hulk review, we got on the phone and we're talking, and She-Hulk became a vehicle to us then getting into an ideological debate, right? And we argued. So it's not normal for me anymore. And I'm just saying, man, like this is the first time that I've ever experienced anything with Marvel where, literally things are so divided and like divisive right now, ideologically based off of, the, of, the, of all things, the She-Hulk Disney plus series.
0: One of the things that they might love is a special presentation that you and I both are fond of that did get a lot of good vibes that both Melinda and I enjoyed. And that was werewolf by night. I thought that was definitely something that they should try in the future. It was an experiment with a special presentation almost felt me like a CBS special presentation. That logo came out for when I was a kid when they used to do that type of logo coming in, as far as the special presentations concerned. But for me overall, werewolf by night was actually a pretty good success. And it leads people into another facet of the Marvel cinematic universe that they haven't delved in before. And I really liked it. And I'm
2: looking for more positive things going forward from it as well. I am too. And, you know, honestly, What better way to rectify the Shield series than to bounce right back, right, and drop something as as freaking good and and well done and well produced and well written and, I mean, you know, just overall. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's a single flaw in that single TV movie or whatever you want to call it that special, you know, like literally. It is less than an hour in length, and no joke, I don't think that during the entire time I got bored at all watching no, it. I was entertained really the entire time and they did so many different things. It reminded, it kind of reminded me of Miss Marvel in a way in that they added a lot of different stuff and I guess that again Gerald, that's again because of the fact that they are going into the horror, like the monster genre. That gives them different options. They can go in different directions, different tropes, right? That they, that they maybe couldn't before and I'm excited about yeah. that. We've, we've talked about this. You know I'm a big fan of the Midnight Suns. I'm all about the Midnight Suns. I love yeah. Ghost Rider. I love Johnny Blaze. I, I love the Punisher. I love freaking Morbius. You know, I love all those supernatural characters. I love Dr. Strange's role, right, With all in that universe, with Blade and everything and whatnot. Now and he rubs elbows with those type of characters. And I'm looking forward to seeing Benedict Cumberbatch like be a part of that monster verse wing of the MCU that's coming up and sprouting. That's why I wouldn't be surprised if they've already probably locked him down for like seven or eight or ten years or something probably i wouldn't be surprised
0: but once again it's the mcu's bleeding edge please go ahead and check it out today on facebook and of course youtube twitch the whole nine yards check it out on as far as social media it's the mcu's bleeding edge well jeff appreciate it as always you stopping by talking to mcu there's wakanda forever there's the guardians of the galaxy holiday special that's still on the way but no series like you were talking about until March.
2: Going to go through any withdrawals until then? No. Namor looks great. Love the picked for Namor. Love it. And I'm telling you something, too. Honestly, I think that overall, Black Panther 2 is going to be great. I really do. I think it's going to be an awesome movie. And hey, you know what? Look, there's always good stuff to watch on TV and whatnot. And look, hey... I still haven't even finished all the Netflix series, the Marvel Netflix series. So I've got to catch all that up anyway. I got to watch the boys. So this will give me a break.
0: There you go. Absolutely. Got to go ahead and check out the boys. Season three was a pretty good one. Season one and two, of course, were really outstanding as well. So yeah, definitely got to go ahead and check it out. But you have got to go ahead and check out today, the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Jeff, great to have you on the show as always. Looking forward to your return right here at the Pop Culture Or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with the 300th episode of the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford along with Melinda Barkhouse Ross. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I want to thank so much Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge for stopping by. But before we head on out, a few last topics to cover. Wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Tar has been in limited release, but it gets expanded this weekend with Cape Blanchett, is heading up as a role as far as a conductor in an orchestra. And she's really just fascinating as far as what I've seen in the the trailers and, and sneak peeks so far, it has actually earned a lot of praise and actually up for a lot of awards already. With the Gotham Awards in New York, I believe, if not mistaken, that's already garnered a lot of acclaim. And she, it actually, that movie is actually uh, up front as far as leading the nominations for that. She is obviously, in my opinion, one of the front runners already for a best actress nomination for the Oscar for this performance. Your
1: thoughts on Tar, with Kate Blanchett? Well, I mean, it, it's Cate Blanchett. Uh, what on earth are you possibly going to say to deter people from wanting to go and see this movie? You want to talk about one of the most incredibly talented actors of our time. I think you can absolutely pencil in Kate Blanchett right there. Mm-hmm. I love that she is taking on this role. I think that, you so know. Lydia
0: Tarr, who, is, who she's portraying, the real life conductor extraordinaire who's one of the been the major forces of music of this past century.
1: I think that orchestral conductor, I don't even think that that's correct, but what it takes to be a conductor in front of an orchestra and being able to control that many instruments and have your vision of the sound that they produce be what the audience hears and absorbs, that's not really something that we've seen turned into a story. And I'm very intrigued by this one. And not just because it's Cape Blanchette, but also because I, I think that this is a, a very compelling story. And I think it's one of those stories where you're really going to stick with you for a little while.
0: I think it is as well. It's a very compelling story. Again, it touches on one of the greatest composers in in music history and one of the greatest orchestral composers of the last century, that's for sure. And Someone who has been so much of an influence on uh, classical music as a whole of the past few decades. Yeah, just happy to see that that she has been been portrayed just outstandingly by Kate Blanchett, and just so happy for this movie to be presented and getting the kind of love that it is. So definitely hoping for some good. Returns on it, a long legs, as I say, as far as in the movies, as far as being out for an extended period of time and getting continual reception throughout. So we'll see what happens. Currently, I believe, holds a 90 on Metacritic as the last time I checked out. It's obviously getting great acclaim. And again, it's leading up to nominations for the Gotham Awards. So that's very compelling in and of itself. So definitely want to hear your thoughts out there. If you're going to go ahead and get a chance to see Tar with Kate Blanchett, I think that it is going to be one of the movies people are talking about for Oscars and at least one of the more important performances and obviously a contender for not only Picture of the Year, but Best Actress for Cate Blanchett. So we want to hear your thoughts on Tar. If you're going to go ahead and check it out, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, I checked out Andor Episode 8 right now. It just focuses on... What happened with Cassian Andor and the fact that he got captured by the Empire, but under a different name and identity, so no one knows it's actually him. He still has the money from the heist hidden away on a, on a vacation planet he was actually hiding at and ended up getting arrested under, under another identity. He gets sent to a penal colony working in a factory. And who's in charge of his unit That's he's making actual products for and a factory for the Empire as far as stuff that actually will be used by the Empire, probably against the rebels and other people and other innocents that are out there that only the Empire can do. But who is leading up as far as the crew chief behind all this? None other than Andy Circus himself. It was a surprise out of left field and this was so interesting. See, He's also an inmate like Cassian Andor, but since he has a short time, less than a year left on his sentence, he has now been promoted to the point where he's actually overseeing these other prisoners do the manufacturing. But the thing I want to touch on is the sound design and the visuals of this episode. First off, the music was very Blade Runner-ish, but also at times distorted intentionally as far as on one side of the glass or the other for an interrogation scene, but also as well from just the way they at times correctly and timely distorted the music and distorted voices to go ahead and sound appropriate to what was going on there. But the look and the feel reminded me so much of George Lucas's one of his first projects. I think it's THX that starred Robert Duvall. It actually, was, I think, was a class project for him at USC. I wanted to go ahead and talk to you about this episode because, it, again, it reminds me so much and has so many Easter eggs of Star Wars gone by. Your thoughts on this, because, again, this could have taken a very mundane episode about him and a penal colony making gears or whatever engine parts for whatever destructive force or destructive tools that the Empire is going to use it on, but instead did it in such a quirky way and did it such an interesting way And also the fact that the rebels that are out and about trying to find him at the same time the Empire is still trying to find him. All these sides are still trying to find them, not knowing that he's actually been caught by the Empire and on this penal colony. All this tying into each other makes it for a very interesting episode. I know you're not caught up with it yet, but what are your thoughts when you hear me say that, especially invoking the past as far as Star Wars using Blade Runner, and also THX for that history-making project that was a start of something great for George Lucas.
1: Wonderful. And I love it when movies and shows um, have interesting... I'm sorry, let me say
0: it. THX 1138. 1138. Ah,
1: Okay. I love it so much when shows and movies play. Not that I'm incredibly talented when it comes to sound design, but I love... To play with, you know, an audio track and to be able to add to it or have all of this filled and then, you know, have it all drop away and only have the voices left. Like that stuff, it just hits you and, and you can have so much emotion and so much passion and idea and something special with the right kind of sound design. Um, they could have. Oh, as usual without any design and it probably would have been fine may have been some people who may have called it you know another filler episode or whatever but I think adding that clever sound design and, and playing with that a little bit and at the same time paying homage to where everything got started. Lucas, I think is is brilliant, and I love that they are thinking outside of the box for it. It definitely is getting closer and closer to the top of my list of shows that I want to watch, just because you've told me about that.
0: Again, if you've ever seen THX 1138, and you see the influence that that had on his career, and also with a lot of other directors going forward as far as what that led into with Star Wars later on, and all the things that he had a fascination with because those early 1960s 1970s sci-fi it paved the way as far as for what we saw later on with star wars and this whole universe so obviously thx you know as far as from a sound design standpoint thx stereo the thx name comes from it but definitely the influence from thx 1138 is there for me as far as checking that out but If you get a chance, check out Andor episode 8 and tell me your thoughts. Please, whenever you can, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but you know what time of the year it is. And even though that Call of Duty will not be a yearly installment here rather quickly next year, I believe they're taking a year off. They're here now with their latest installment, which is not a remake, but maybe a reboot of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. That's probably the best way I could describe it because I know we were trying to clarify it before we went on air. This is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It is loosely based off of the previous Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that was already refreshed and and revigorated. The 2009 title, which was made into a 2017 remaster. This is not really dealing anything with that. It's loosely based off of it, but it's actually its own Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It is now out. A lot of people are interested, of course, in the multiplayer aspect. The single-player aspect, the graphics look outstanding, but the story is a little lacking for most people. I see the scores are like middling as far as the single-player campaign is concerned, but the effects, these graphics are, are second to none, really looks good. And of course, the multiplayer looks as fast as ever. Your thoughts on Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two before we head on out?
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm having a hard time coming to terms with exactly what it is that they're trying to accomplish. I just don't understand. Uh, and maybe it's my lack of understanding of the video game industry. That's entirely possible. I can I can fully admit that and I can own that. But I think there is something special about those modern warfare games when it comes to the single player stuff before you take it online anybody else you, you play through the whole campaign you know I, I really have enjoyed the storylines of those single-player modern warfare games so I'm just I guess uh, I don't understand what they're doing and because of that I think if I was you know really into first-person shooters I really think I might wait on this title you know, having it all have already been remastered and then just calling this Modern Warfare 2 and not Modern Warfare 3 or Modern Warfare 2 Redux or Redo or whatever. I don't know. I just, something feels off about it to me and I can't quite explain it better than that.
0: Well, again, when you have a yearly edition that is so popular, such as Call of Duty, which always every year, year after year leads or is right up there at the top of the charts sales wise. It is something that there's an expectation now that's made each and every time a new iteration comes out. So for me, it's just something that, hey, it's there. You can go ahead and play it if you want. Spend $60, $70 on it. For me, it's just, again, Call of Duty is Call of Duty. I enjoyed so much Call of Duty, the original Modern Warfare, and then Modern Warfare 2. I thought at that time when it came out in 2009 was really good. It's just evolved beyond what I really want to go ahead into, even though I love the fast-paced multiplayer shooter aspect of it. But yeah, it's just something for me. I think I can wait until it goes on heavy discount because it's something, again, for you're in Call of Duty or you're not. There's no in-between. It's just you're in or you're out when it comes to Call of Duty.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I said, I've played through the storyline of the single player, and I was just not good enough at the game to go online and play multiplayer. I just don't quite understand exactly what they're doing. And like I said, that would be a hard pass for me this time around.
0: Well, you know, again, it's still millions of dollars at stake here. And being it one of the probably final few, maybe three or four more editions will go on the PlayStation platform. If all goes through with the sale of Activision Blizzard to Microsoft, then this could be one of the final installments of Call of Duty that appears on a PlayStation platform. I mean, we're still going to see at least two or three more, I have a feeling, but there will come a day that there probably will not be Call of Duty's coming out on the PlayStation. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, for now, it is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It is out and about. The multiplayer, again, is solid and fast acting and shooting. People are liking it. The campaign is pretty to look at, but same old, same old as far as level design. So you know what you're getting yourself into when it concerns Call of Duty, but Please let us know your thoughts on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. You plan to run with it? Or you plan to run away from it? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. want to thank you so much, as always, for participating in all these episodes as we've hit PCC Multiverse 300. Any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: Gerald, honestly, buddy... A huge congratulations on 300 episodes. Seriously, that's such a huge accomplishment and something that I know you take a lot of pride in the show. And this is, it's truly an accomplishment and something that you should be super proud of. Way to go. Well done.
0: Thank you. Uh, I couldn't have done it without you again, Marcus, Jamie, and of course, Josh, who headed up the first 150 plus episodes. Want to thank everybody, TJ, thank everybody for being a part of the show that has been part of it, all the guests. Uh, of all the radio stations that play our shows big shout out to you and of course the most important thank you of all is to you the viewer and you the listener catching us here and going ahead and trying to delve into once again the PCC Multiverse and as we reach our next stop the PCC Multiverse for the 300th time want to thank you so much again for taking the time out of your day for checking us out here at the Pop Culture Cosmos or again as we call it right here on Fridays the PCC Multiverse. So for Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. For the 300th time, it's another beautiful day in paradise in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Listening to a Weebie Geeks Network podcast.
2: Tangent Found Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentFoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.